I'm Olympic and world champion diver, Laura Wilkinson, and this is the Pursuit of Gold podcast. We are unlocking all of the most effective tools to help athletes achieve their highest goals in sport. Each week, you'll hear elite athletes, experts, sports psychologists, trainers, and coaches share their unique advice, tips, and strategies for success. Now, today's guest is a special one. Mariel Zagunis is a four-time fencing Olympian who won back-to-back Olympic gold in 2004 and 2008. And if that's not enough, she added a pair of team bronze medals as well. And in 2012, she was voted by the athletes to be the Team USA flag bearer in London. Now, Marielle and I have been friends for quite a while, and so we thought instead of having a formal interview with everything going on in the world right now, we thought it would be best to sit down and have a really open and honest discussion about how COVID-19 has impacted us and how it's changed our trajectory toward the Tokyo 2020 Olympics that has now been postponed an entire year. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're there, please rate and review us. It really helps us continue to bring on amazing guests and for all the other athletes out there to find us as well. I believe that there is gold in your future. So let's dive on into this conversation with Marielle Zagunis. Uh, Marielle, I'm so glad you wanted to just kind of hang out and chat with me a little bit. We haven't caught up in a while anyway, so this is probably the best time to do it since we have extra time on our hands. <laughs> we do. For better or for worse, we have extra time right now. All right. So, okay. How How is the whole family doing? How are you and your hubby and your daughter, parents, all that good stuff? Everybody okay and healthy? Yes. Thank you for asking. And I hope you guys are too. We are thankfully very healthy and just doing what we can to you know shelter in place and stay home and make the most of the situation that we're in. I think, you know, I'm fortunate enough that I, my daughter, I only have one kid, first of all, and she's (laughs) only two and a half. So she really doesn't understand anything of what's going on. So it's, it's, we're just making the most of our days at home and playing outside a lot and just trying to be creative with fun things to do and ways to learn and things to explore. And um, yeah, she really doesn't understand. So I think that that makes my situation uh, a lot easier than maybe than some other people like like you with, you know, very full house. Yeah, just a, a toddler is is just busy anyway, no matter what the situation. So I totally get that. But so you guys are totally on shelter in place, like lockdown mode or what's the situation? Because you're Washington State, right? We're Oregon, which Oregon, is we we very quickly followed in. We were one of the you know early ones to act because there were all of those early cases in Seattle. So yeah, like places have been closed now. I think I haven't been to my fencing club in like a month because we closed a month ago already, which is like so weird to think about. Um, all right. But uh, yeah, our orders here are, you know, stay home and stay safe is what they say. So um, we just are trying to do our best to only go out for necessary reasons. You know, grocery store is pretty much yeah. <laughs> the only thing that I leave the house for. Um, and yeah, so that's what we're doing. What about you guys? Yeah, kind of kind of the same. Um, I mean, we were kind of, we're in Texas. So we were kind of after the whole West Coast and, and New York and stuff. I think we were after New York. I can't even remember the timeline now. It all just kind of like blurs together. But yeah, we're, we're definitely at the shelter in place too. Just, uh, I mean, there's, yeah, it's weird to like not leave the house for days, except for like maybe a bike ride or a walk. It's just, it's just weird. It's surreal. You know, it's still surreal after like a month of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. 
Well, how, I kind of feel like this is like, I mean, it's it's definitely a moment in history we're walking through right now. And it's just weird. And and everybody's going to have their story, like when the Twin Towers were hit, you know, in 9-11, um, when Pearl Harbor was bombed. Like everybody has their story, you know, when um, JFK was assassinated. Like there's always, where were you when this happened? Like how did this go down for you as the COVID-19 stuff started to creep in? Like what what was your situation like? Yeah, my situation, you know, is not unique. I mean, it it kind of like hit all of us pretty hard, I think. And especially in the Olympic community, it was pretty devastating to have the official news of the games being postponed. I think that especially now looking where we're at here, you know, in the middle of April, it it really was inevitable. So I'm glad that they made that decision sooner rather than later. But the month of March has to have been the most up and down emotional, like emotional wise for me ever, because it was like the beginning of March, uh, I turned 35, which was like awesome. Yeah. I was like, all right, like mid thirties, let's kick this off. You know, let's, let's continue to make 2020 a good year. I went that first weekend of March to a competition in Athens, Greece, where it was one of our Olympic qualifiers. And for fencing, it's a little different than swimming, diving track, our Olympic qualification period lasts an entire year. So right now we should be in the thick of it. So we were, we were um, at least for the U S point qualifying. This one in Athens was the last one or the third to last one for our Olympic qualifier. Right. So I went to this Olympic qualifier in Greece. Well, I have to ask before you go any further. I mean, that's gotta be like a confidence booster for your being back in Athens where you won your first gold medal, became like the first American fencer to win a gold medal. You know, I mean like that has to have some kind of like good vibes for you or something. It's, right? I, I like going to Athens. Yeah, I definitely do. I have some good memories from there. You have to say, <laughs> um, and, and this weekend was that weekend, the first weekend of March this year was no exception. Cause I went to that competition and I, I, won that competition and subsequently qualified myself for Tokyo just mathematically. It wasn't the final qualification in for everybody, but it was for me, I just mathematically solidified my place. That's so awesome. So I was like, Congrats. awesome. Yeah. You know, thanks. And I was like, all right, you know, super on a high because also, you know, as we mentioned, I have a two and a half year old daughter. So the climb back to the top, the climb back to trying to win a tournament again has been a very long and hard road for me as far as coming back from maternity leave and balancing life as a new mom and all of that stuff. So just all of the the hard work that I had been putting in just came to fruition on that weekend, you know, to to win right after my 35th birthday, which is for a women's saber fencer, you know, kind of getting up there, um, to win that competition, which was the first time I had, I had won an international competition since 2016, which by the way, the last time I won an international world cup competition was in Athens. <laughs> so, you know, like we said, yes, that, that place definitely holds some, spot. <laughs> it is, it definitely like gives me some good luck and some good vibes. And so, you know, I was like on a real high and, and that was just a fantastic weekend for me. And then we came home and it was like literally within that weekend. And then the the couple of days after is when Italy started having all of their problems in Europe and then travel shut down. And it just went from this, all right, I have this great momentum. I just won this World Cup. I just qualified for Tokyo. And now they just canceled the, or at least indefinitely postponed the rest of our 
tournaments for the rest of the season. Like what? And then the Olympic news came in that, you know, the Olympics were postponed. And so just March, as far as me emotionally was all over the place. And I think it still is now that we're in the middle of April. And and I know I speak for a lot of athletes and a lot of people where it's just, you don't, the uncertainty is really hard, but I think you know, you and I have talked about this before about focusing on what you can control and kind of trusting that everything happens for a reason. And you don't always see that reasoning, you know, immediately, but you kind of have to work through it and um, keep your head up and keep as positive as you can. Yeah. Was there any like news of it or were you hearing anything when you were in Athens or were you kind of just so focused that even if it was, you wouldn't have known? You know, around that time, there was already some talk of there's cases rising, especially in Europe. And my teammates and I were kind of like, well, should we even go to this competition? You know, like we don't want to get stuck in Europe, but it's interesting and just kind of scary actually how quickly all of it escalated because we were in Athens and our competitions have, I don't know, remember the exact number in Athens, but I want to say at least close to 200 athletes. And that's just athletes. That's not coaches. That's not trainers. That's not referees, organizers. So there were a lot lot of people in this venue, right? And we, I hate to say it, didn't really think about it. We were still shaking hands after every match. We were still, you know, warming up with people. We were still, um, you know, when you're hooked into your electric, the electric scoring machine, like the real you know, your, your hands are all over it, your sweaty hands, and then you unhook yourself and then you give it to somebody else. You just pass it over. And so like, honestly, like it seems like a lifetime ago that we were even in that place, do like acting the way that we were, which was totally normal, like in the time, but just in retrospect or in hindsight, I guess, I'm just like, I cannot believe that they even held that competition. You know, it's like, it's crazy. And At the same time, that same weekend, there were competitions in Budapest with hundreds and hundreds of fencers from all around the world. There was a competition that was supposed to be in Italy for the men that got moved to Germany and then got moved to Luxembourg because Italy was having a lot of problems with their cases right around that time. So they didn't want to host it at all, which is definitely the right call. But in Luxembourg, you know, the for the men, they were taking temperatures and not letting spectators in and all that stuff. In Athens, it was like we were... Same weekend, same days. But just normal. Just in a different location. And it was like, no, spectators, oh, shaking hands, this, that. And I just look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, this was so terrible. Like, I can't believe that we were doing this, but we didn't know. Like, we really didn't understand the gravity of the situation. And when you are in that, in competition mode, you're really not focused on anything else, <laughs> anything else. You really aren't. And, and it's like, you know, you really have to be conscious of like, okay, well, I'm not going to shake this person's hand, even though hundred percent of the time we're supposed to shake right. our opponent's hand and the coach's hand and the ref's hand. And so <laughs> unfortunately we were doing that. And, and I look back now, I just cringe and I'm just like, man, that is really unfortunate. Well, we, we were kind of in the same boat. We were, I mean, it was locally though. We were here in Texas and San Antonio for uh, just an invitational competition. Our whole, like a big portion of our team was there. It was a lot of Texas teams, some um, from out of state and stuff. And we were all like halfway through the meet and I'd kind of heard of the virus, but I really, I hadn't been listening to the news because sometimes it's so negative. I just hadn't really been paying attention, you know, I was just trying to focus and like do my thing. And we're at this meet and then all of a sudden we start hearing stuff and like, I think it was like a Thursday night, all of a sudden all the NCAA competitions got canceled and 
my husband and I, my whole family was there and we were like, what is going on? And like, we didn't think it was so serious either. We weren't, that's why we were very confused why everything was getting canceled. And, you know, then the next day we're at the competition and we hear that all these diving meets are going to be canceled, but we had been given approval by the the people running the meet that we could continue it since we were already there. And it was an outdoor meet. So we thought, okay, well, it's probably fine. And same thing. We finished out the meet and everybody went home and literally got home on Sunday and everything was closed on Monday. Wow. It was just, yeah. But the same thing, we were hugging everybody. We hadn't seen them in forever. Like it just, it was, yeah, very surreal. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I'm happy that our, our IF, our International Fencing Federation, made the call relatively quickly. I wish they would have made it a little quicker as far as letting us know when our competitions were, if our competitions were going to happen, because we did come back from Athens and suddenly it was like Italy was on lockdown like a day later. And it just, everything happened so quickly. And when I flew back from, from Athens, from Europe on that Monday, I was supposed to leave the following Tuesday, like a week and a day later to go back to Europe. And I'm like, they better tell us yeah. <laughs> if this is happening because I don't want to fly over there and get stuck or get sick or whatever. And so luckily they, you know, it was, it was about a week before the competition was supposed to happen and they finally postponed everything. But it happened. Yeah. Like you said, it's like one day you're there and you're, everything's fine and you're hugging and shaking hands and doing everything normal. And then suddenly, you know, the the world just shifts so quickly and it's it's crazy how fast all of this has escalated. Yeah, well, and it, it, some stuff like that, I mean, not that this happens a lot, but it seems to always, like when there's just a situation in the world, it seems to usually be isolated in a certain area, but this was like everywhere. And I think maybe that's why it's so crazy and strange. And like you said, like the state of the world kind of changed. I mean, what were you, because like it kind of went boom, 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 like your your local meets were canceled and then the Olympic postponement, like kind of, Walk me through like your emotions. Like I know you said it was up and down, but I mean, because for me, at least it felt like, okay, we got home from that meet and that was weird. And we thought everything shut down. We thought, okay, it's like two weeks. And we were like struggling to find a place to train. We were trying to see what pools were open. And as soon as we would find one next day, it would be closed, you know, and then we'd find another one and it'd be closed. And it was like, okay, what is going on? How do we keep training? Because one of my teammates had to go to World Cup in April and, you know, I was trying to train for trials. And so we were grasping at straws, but it was like every day something was happening, like this damage report and then stuff about the IOC saying, no, we're going to keep going. And then they came out, well, maybe we're not. And it was like, wow, every single day was something new. And it was, I, I got to the point where I was like, just make a decision so we know how to plan. It was almost like, for me, the anxiety was more about like the uncertainty. Like I just wanted to know one way or the other to figure out what to do. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I completely agree. And I when the IOC originally said, we're going to come up with a decision or a solution by the end of April. And this was like middle of March. I was, right. I was devastated when I heard that. Like, I was like, are you four kidding? weeks? Yeah, that was forever. And so they very quickly, I think, understood that that was unacceptable and made the decision. And as disappointing as it is to have the Olympics not be happening this summer, it was the right decision. And I'm glad that they at least communicated that quickly. And um, yeah, because like you said, like we're struggling to train and now, I mean, I go through different feelings every day for sure on <laughs> my level of motivation, my level of sadness, my level of feeling like, oh, well, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a very strange thing to be going through because the, it still is uncertain. And I, I know for you, it is too, for everybody, but, you know, for athletes who have to prepare for one day or, you know, a series of tournaments, it's very difficult right now to 
know what you have to do because you don't know, I don't know when my next competition is. It's, it's really weird to think that. And I've never been in this position. Right. I think we become planners, right? Because we, we have to, oh my gosh, yeah. yeah, and prepare properly. And, and so that we peak at the right moment. So to not be able to do that leaves us in kind of a weird space, I think for sure. Yeah. And, and as athletes too, especially you plan every moment of every day, pretty much, you know, and, and to fit in your training and to take care of your kids and to, you know, make sure you're getting enough sleep and, you know, you know exactly where you're going to be and when pretty much every day for a year or even four years in a row. And now suddenly that's all gone away. And it's weird to not have that sense of control because, because we are so used to just controlling every aspect of our lives when it comes, especially to our training and preparation, as you know, Right. Well, so when you, I mean, obviously we know they made the right decision postponing it, but like, what was your initial just gut reaction when you heard postponed? I cried. Yeah, (laughs) I definitely cried. I kind of knew, I I mean, I think we all knew it was coming, Mm -hmm. but then to have the official announcement, just, it was a very big mix of emotions and I cried. Yeah. Because you prepare so much of your life and you dedicate so much of your life, make so many sacrifices and planning Mm -hmm. to be able to even have a chance of going to the Olympics (laughs) that, and, and the crazy thing too is, and you know, this as a woman and as a mom, like the Olympics don't wait for anybody. You know what I mean? It's like, you're injured too bad. You're sick on the day of trials too bad. You know, you want to have a kid. Well, you got to figure it out. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, well we plan our entire life around the Olympics, the Olympics doesn't wait for anybody. And now it's like, we have to wait for the Olympics. You know, it's like really strange. It's just like, okay. So yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't know, it's just, it, I, I was definitely very upset and I continue to be upset. Um, every now and then it kind of comes in waves about, like I said, how motivated I am, how I'm feeling about it all. And it's, it's definitely a tough time mentally and emotionally, not so much physically, but yeah, definitely on those other two fronts. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, especially because you just made the team too. So like you knew mm-hmm. you were going like for, I guess for me, like our trials were still a couple months out, you know? So I was just trying to like, you know, try to get there and at the right time and, and get to that right point at the right time. And so I, I guess maybe, and I think maybe it just didn't feel real. So I, I felt weird that I didn't cry. Like I didn't, I almost didn't even react. It was just kind of like, okay, well, they postponed it. It was just this weird. Yeah. I think it just all, I felt so disconnected. Like I was watching it from like an out of body experience or something. Yeah. Which is really weird because I'm a total emotional person and I cry at like so much stuff. And so it was weird to me to just be like, hmm, okay, well, it's official now. Like it was so bizarre. And I actually wanted to to ask you how it has feel, felt for you because you know, you're in a unique position as far as being a veteran, being very experienced, knowing kind of what to expect, but also being in a different stage of your life than you were 20 years ago, you know, and I'm, I feel the same way. So when this delay came as far as your trials and having even more time for you, is that, do you feel like that's beneficial? Do you feel like it's like, how, how are you approaching it as far as your preparation goes? Well, it's really funny because, you know, I mean, you say you're, you know, one of the older Fencers, um, I'm like ancient in the diving world because I'm no, 40, I know me I'm too. 42, I'll be 43 next year, and you know, thinking, oh my gosh, another year, like, is really kind of like, wow, that's kind of pushing the limits. I mean, I'm already pushing the limits, but at the same time, I'm I was kind of relieved and excited because I had a neck surgery last year. I yeah, I level, remember. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, you, we were talking. You saw me in the neck brace and everything. I think um, so. I, I went through like an entire year recovering from that and just trying to get back up to the 10 meter and. 
I got my dives out this year. I had gotten two competitions kind of under my belt, you know, and, and so I was kind of in the middle of that, like, uh, just trying to like get accurate and, and get confident, you know, at, like now that I had gotten everything off. So I was kind of in a weird space, like gunning for it. But now I'm kind of excited to have another year of like actually having my dives off, more confidence, hopefully more consistency. But then again, nothing's on the map right now. So I don't know when we'll be able to get back in the pool and train or how that's going to play out. But I guess I've also, I've handled so much time out of the pool in these weird situations now. I mean, like all of last year was like very odd. You know, I spent like six months, like not really doing much diving or much of anything, three months where I couldn't even run or jump, you know? And so I guess I've had these periods now where I've been out of the pool or we were having kids and I was retired. So I've like not being in the pool and not being allowed to train a certain way every day doesn't scare me as much as it used to. Like, oh my gosh, if we used to take a week vacation, I would freak out that I was going to lose everything and be so far behind. Now I'm like, like, ah, it's just a year. Like, you know I mean, I got this. I understand. Like, so there, I'm in a very weird place, but it doesn't scare me like it, it used to, you know? And so for me, I know how to keep my mind in the game now. I know what it takes to get back there. I know that I can stay physically in shape. It's just going to kind of be like trying to get back up on 10 meters as soon as possible to get those repetitions off again, just for confidence. So yeah, it's a very, it's a very weird place to say I'm almost you know, I'll be 43 next year, but sweet, I got one more year. Like it's very right. weird. But then there's the joy of the sport side too, is like, I just got back up here, never really knowing if I gonna, was going to get to do my dives again. And I just love it. So just getting one more year to, to do that thing I love before maybe my body totally breaks down and doesn't let me do it anymore. <laughs> I'm kind of, kind of excited about that. But, but I mean, what about you? Like, what were your plans this year, like going into Tokyo and then after, like, were you going to retire or like, were you planning a life beyond sport and now that's postponed or what, or were you not even like looking at that yet? Well, for me, it's always been one competition at a time, one year at a time, one quad at a time. I don't, I haven't often looked beyond that just because fencing has always been such a big part of my life. And I'm also the type of person where if I'm going to do something, I do it a hundred percent. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, if I just, you know, train full time or if I'm just doing my sport all the time, I'm going to feel like I'm going crazy and they need to like work, you know, a part-time job or they need to be working on other projects. Like I'm definitely not that type of person. I'm the type of person where I'm like, okay, if I'm doing something, I want to do it a hundred percent. Like I don't feel like I can split my time, which I think is part of the reason why, well, not part of the reason. I mean, it's, it's hard then becoming a mom too, right? Because like, you can't also be a part-time parent, like you need to be a full-time parent. So that was also why I felt like I I had such good momentum because I was like, okay, I'm finally starting to find a balance between, you know, parenting and traveling and training. And, you know, it all, like I said, came to fruition at that one world cup. So like things were starting to work out. So I've, I have never allowed myself really to focus on like a future without fencing because fencing has always been such a big part of my life that I'm like, I'm focusing on the here and now. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be looking beyond that because I don't want it to be like a type of distraction. And so Tokyo has been my focus, you know? So I, I, not that I didn't know loosely what was going to happen afterwards, you know, of course I want to take a vacation, you know, and I want to do this and I want to do that. There are some, were some loose plans, you know, around the fall, but, um, you know, for me, it's about focusing on that one goal and keeping it that pinpoint focus and um, tunnel vision really on, on the task at hand. And so, yeah, of course there were definitely like life plans as far as 
I don't know, getting some work done in the yard or, uh, you know, like doing like the, going like, to Hawaii. To do that now. <laughs> yeah, I do. Actually, I was out in I was out in the yard all morning before this call, actually. So, um, yeah, and it's beautiful weather. So, of course, I can do those types of things now. And <laughs> it's nice. But, you know, it's it's still you approach those things with a different mentality when you still have the looming goal ahead of you. You know, I'm not going to go out and make myself too sore from yard work and throw up my back because I, you know, still have to be ready for my competition whenever that is. Whereas if I didn't have to worry about competition, maybe I'd go a little bit harder on those pile of weeds out there. You know what I mean? So mental note, our yards will look better when we're not in competition mode. (laughs) hundred percent. No, hundred percent that, you know, so that was of course something I was looking forward to. So, you know, the small little victories in life, like things like that, but yeah, so, so it is a little bit tough to kind of put those types of um, projects and little things you want to get done on your checklist delayed a little bit, but uh, you know, again, it is what it is and you can just got to do focus on what you can control. Right. So uh, yeah, just doing that right now. So was it hard for you to, to make the decision to keep going another year or was it kind of like, no, that's still my goal. Like I'm not even, didn't even flinch about it or like, I guess, yeah. How did you kind of handle that? Cause when I first asked you, I was like, wait, are you okay? Like, are you going to do this? And you were like, I don't know. And I was like, wait a minute, what? (laughs) You know, was that, was that really how you felt or was that just kind of an emotional reaction? That was a very, it was a very emotional time, I think for everybody right then. I think there's, it was uncertain and you were sad and you were mad and you were, you know, just unsure. And, you know, I think like you and I too, we're both in very unique positions. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been to the Olympics before. And so, you know, if I was a 19 year old, (laughs) fencer had never been to the Olympics, you know, this was my one dream, whatever, then maybe I would just not flinch. And I would be like, yeah, of course, I'm going to wait another year. Um, But you know, for people in our position where (laughs) we're a little bit older, we've been to the Olympics before, it was a heavy blow. So you know, uh, of course, initially, I was like doubting it and stuff. But now I think I've had some more time to reflect. And I think it's definitely helpful that they've honored the qualified spots because also that wasn't an announcement until later. Right. <laughs> that was the even later announcement that the IOC was actually going to honor the the people who have already um, been named to their their teams. So that definitely is a huge box that continues to be checked for me. So I'm I'm thankful for that. And that definitely changes things because I think when you reached out to me that, had that wasn't yet. that. Yeah. So I'm like, uh, <laughs> for that, yeah, it was right after the postponement was announced yeah. when I asked you. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as, as time goes by and as decisions are made by the organizations, you know, there'll be more light on, on what needs to happen going forward. And then that'll give us more clarity on how we proceed. Yeah. So are you kind of just giving yourself a mental and physical break right now? Or are you kind of gunning at it at home? Or I guess, what does your training look like right now? Since you said, I mean, you said your club's been closed a month, right? Yeah. So our club closed because my fencing club is actually attached to a school. And so the or- when the Oregon schools closed, our gym had to close. And then there was another fencing club in our area that was very graciously going to open their doors and say, yes, you, you, you know, you guys can come and train here limited. It wouldn't be, you know, as many hours and as much space as having our own club, but it was, we were very thankful that they had offered that. And then the, all the non-essential businesses got closed. So then that also became not an option. So just like every other athlete and especially a lot of fencers right now, I'm just getting creative with my training. I'm working out, I'm doing a lot of cross training, like fencing is very specific. You know, I can't very easily do footwork on my concrete 
garage floor. That's not really the most ideal thing, but I am working out staying, you know, physically fit. And luckily we invested in a treadmill. So I have that for my cardio and can just, you know, do different workouts online that I'm finding and just whatever, doing things that maybe aren't full-time, 100% training like I would be, you know, but everyone's in the same situation. So I'm just trying to, you know, stay mentally focused and physically in shape the best I can. That's cool. Yeah. I think a lot of people obviously are having to cross train. We're doing the same thing and we keep our team is like getting these workouts and they're all these hit cardio workouts. Well, in my sport, we are not cardiovascular. Right. So we are like quick twitch, do something really powerful, explosive. And then you wait for like 20 minutes. So this is like killing me and cross training, but I mean, it's good. I think it's always good to shake things up like that. But I guess like, how are you keeping your head in the game? Like you said, you, you are trying to stay kind of mentally focused. Like I guess, how are you doing that? Are you giving yourself a little bit of a breather there? Oh, I'm I'm giving myself a breather for sure. I mean, like I said, I don't even know when my next competition is. So it's like very difficult for me to have fencing in the forefront of my mind right now because it's why, like, why would I do that to myself? You know, like why it's, and as you know, the focus that you need to conjure up leading up to a competition, the nerves that you have to battle, the preparation, like all those little last minute details that you have to fine tune leading into a competition. I've let all that go. I'm just like, no, I don't need to focus on that right now. I'm not going to forget how to fence. Um, you know, I, I, I'm going to be ready, you know, to get back in and maybe even feel more refreshed even, you know, like, I don't know, I don't know how, how it's all going to work. So I'm not, I've, done, tried my best to not get too overly focused on like the, the mental side of things. I think more when I say like the mental preparation or mental like training, it's more about just trying to keep positive and, you know, not get in a slump and, and Mm kind of get in that attitude of like, Oh, poor me, because everybody in the world's going through something right now, whether or not you're an Olympic athlete, everyone's kind of doing that. But I, I definitely think it's easy to do that for anybody because, it is, it affects us so much, all of this quarantine and all of this, you know, going to the grocery store with masks and gloves and not being able to like hug your friends and family. And it's just like, it's very taxing emotionally. So I think that it's important to just treat every day, you know, as a gift and be thankful for your health and to, you know, as far as like mental, the mental side of things, just staying as positive as possible. Yeah, I agree. I think you have to. And, and I, yeah, it's kind of something as as horrible as this whole situation is and, and all the tragedy that's coming out of it. There is kind of this beautiful, like unique bond that that everyone in the world kind of has as we're all like locked into this weird quarantine state, you know, so it kind of gives us all this common ground to relate to each other to through, you know what I mean, where maybe there's usually boundaries up or, or disconnect where we can't. I don't know, connect with somebody. Now now we have a connection and it's kind of it's kind of cool in that way. You know, I think that's just one of the beautiful things that's coming of this. So like after the Olympics, I mean, you probably heard of like the post letdown, the post-Olympic letdown and the Olympic blues, people call it like usually, you know, athletes focus so hard for four years or 10 years or whatever it is to get to the Olympics and to do their thing. And whether you got a gold medal or you came in dead last, like you put all this effort and work into it. And after it, it just like there's this drop for a lot of people. It's like the emotional, the physical, all the anticipation, you know, all of that is just there's this huge drop and let down after it. Um, have you kind of experienced that kind of feeling with this since since you were building up, you just made the team, you were getting there and now it's just kind of it's like the rug was pulled out from under you. Like, are you kind of feeling some of those same feelings or would you say it's different? 
That's interesting. I feel like we've talked about that before, like the post-Olympic blues. And I guess I never really put two and two together with that. But I would say, yes, it is similar. It's similar to that Mm -hmm. for sure. Because there was all this. Yeah, actually, that's interesting. That's so weird that it's like coming together as you said that. I would say, yeah, that, that it definitely feels that way. Have you experienced that? Oh, yeah. And I I mean, because I, I won an Olympic gold and then I got fifth and then I got ninth and I was kind of injured in my last one, which was not really the way I wanted to go out. But every time, no matter good or bad, like there was some kind of letdown after. And I think it's just you build up and you're so focused for so long and then the moment is gone and there's just like this, ugh, you know what I mean? It's like all your emotions, all your energy, because it's so much of you that's put toward that mental, physical, everything. And then it's just done. And it's like this weird you know, ugh, feeling. And so I've, I've definitely had that. And I've, I've had that with other things too. Like when we went through our adoption process with my, my youngest one in Ethiopia, it was a five-year process. So a lot like this long extended thing. And the last year was like this whole trials and tribulations. Like the prime minister was trying to shut down uh, adoptions in Ethiopia. And then we had to have like, we, all the parents were petitioning Washington and we had senators and congressmen come together and send like letters to the prime minister to reopen it for those of us who are matched with our kids. And there's this big struggle. And then we had other battles where like agencies were closing. We couldn't get help on the ground. And so my husband actually went there, met our daughter, weren't able to bring her home, had to come home heartbroken without her waiting for like the judge to be able to rule, but then time had to pass and all these things. So finally, months later, we got to go back again, but then bring her home. But it was kind of that same feeling of like all this energy, all this fight, all this effort. And then like we came home without her. And that was like, I don't think I've ever been that depressed before. I mean, I was like, couldn't wake up in the morning. I couldn't get out of bed. Like if I hadn't had my three kids to care for, I think I would probably have been like clinically depressed. But um, wow. But yeah, I think anytime you're just so emotionally and physically invested into something and then it ends or it's taken away or something like that happens, it's it just kind of sucks the wind out of you a little bit. Yeah. Oh, not a little bit, like all the way. Right. And I, with talking with, you know, friends and family, it, it, I had used that term, you know, the, the wind is out of your sails, like totally. Yeah. I, I definitely identify with that for sure. Whether it's been experiencing Olympics or it's been this experience right now. Yeah. I would say I'm, we're probably not the only ones who feel that way yeah. with all of this for sure. Yeah. Well, are you are you seeing any like anything positive at all coming from? Because I know it's obviously there's a lot of seriousness and a lot of terrible things happening. It's like we're losing people and and that's always terrible. But I mean, there's there's always beauty sometimes in these things. And, you know, there's a lot of opportunities that sometimes come out of obstacles. Like, are you seeing any of that yet or maybe it's still yet to come? Uh, Well, the immediate thing that I have been very thankful for is more time at home with my daughter right now. Otherwise would be the thick of our season a lot of travel, a lot of stress on my end, you know, a lot of just being overworked, overtired, you know, but you just get in that mode of like, okay, this is what it is. It's a grind. I'm going to get through it and, you know, it's going to suck and I'm going to be jet lagged and injured and, you know, sore and like all this stuff. But, you know, you just, I was in the, the mode of just like, okay, we're on, (laughs) we're going, yeah, we're doing it. We're grinding. And so despite all of the other thoughts and feelings and emotions that I have towards all that situation. The flip side of that is the fact that now that none of that has to be happening right now, I get to be home with her and spending a lot of time with her, which is really fun. I mean, she's just hilarious and really entertaining and a lot of fun to hang out with. And I mean, I'm very fortunate that for my job, even though I am training and traveling a lot, I do still get to spend a lot of time with her. She's not 
she's not in daycare and everything like that. She's not in school. So I am with her a lot. And now I just get to be with her even more. And so that's really fun to be able to have that because not I don't ever felt like I was missing out per se. Just extra. Yeah. Yeah. It's just extra. So that's definitely a blessing in disguise. Well, what's okay. So she's two and a half, right? What is she into right now? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Since the weather's nice, she just loves being outside and just getting dirty. She just loves <laughs> nice d- digging in dirt and like pulling up dandelions and, you know, whatever, like helping, helping me weed sometimes just exploring like everything outside. It's really cute. So yeah, we're extra practicing good hand washing with her, like <laughs> anyway, you know, right. <laughs> because we all have to be washing our hands, but then she's like extra dirty just because she loves being outside. And it's just really interesting. I mean, she's my only child. So it's like to just watch her brain grow and watch her vocabulary increase and her imagination expand is just really entertaining. Uh-huh. So, you know, right now she's just really into, um, she'll just like pretend a lot, like a lot of things, like I can see her pretending with things, you know, pretending to, that she has little friends or that she like speaks for her animals and stuff like that. So it's like, it's really, really cute. That's awesome. I, I, yeah, I love being able to see like life through my kids' eyes. It just, you forget when you get older, you forget to play, you forget to have that imagination. So to kind of get to relive that with them, I think it's a lot of fun. And sometimes it can just kind of take you out of all the stresses of like, everyday life, you know, does, does she ever watch mommy practice her fence and like try to emulate you at all? Oh yeah. She's been to the fencing gym a bunch. She knows what fencing is for sure. And she does this cute, like we say, Sunny, what does fencing sound like? And she goes, ah, like, cause we do our screens and stuff and <laughs> does the little like hand thrust thing. And, um, you know, we have these little foam sabers and stuff that she pretends to fence with. And yeah, so she definitely knows she's very aware of like what fencing is and that we scream and that we wear masks and have sabers. And yeah, so she's, she definitely is aware of what mommy does for work. It's really cute. That's awesome. Oh my goodness. Well, kind of getting back to fencing a little bit, like, do you think that fencing in 2021, is is it going to look different than maybe it would have in 2020? Or do you think it's going to kind of be the same since everybody's just on pause right now? I have no idea. I feel like it'll be the same because everybody's on pause. I don't feel like much could change, but our qualification also wasn't finished. So maybe the field for the Olympics might look a little different. I have no idea. So I think, you know, between now and then I, I'm assuming things will mostly stay the same, but I guess only time will tell. What about for diving? I kind of feel the same way. Like, I mean, everybody's I mean, with diving. You can't really train at home. I mean, you can maybe a couple of people can do flips, but um, yeah, obviously we, most people don't have 16 foot pools or a 10 meter platform <laughs> they can dive off of. So yeah, I, I kind of feel like everybody's gonna be the same boat and it'll be very similar to what it maybe would have been this year, but you may have like up and comers, like young kids that maybe wouldn't have peaked until next year. Like, you know, you may have a, a handful, I, I wouldn't think it would be a large number, but maybe one or two people that might come up or, or maybe some kids that graduated college this year that maybe unfortunately didn't even get to finish on an NCAA is that that was kind of heartbreaking for me to see that nobody got to do NCAAs in March. That was to me, that was kind of rough just having been a college athlete too. You know, I, I don't know if maybe this is kind of the end for them because they thought I just, they just see out their college career and then compete at the trials or the Olympics right after then move on with their life. I mean, maybe they decided to go ahead and move on. So I think there's gonna be a handful of people maybe in one of those two boats, but I think otherwise um, it'll probably be yeah pretty similar. And I've seen your videos. I mean, you have the big mats that you can. <laughs> yeah, I got to borrow them from the gym. <laughs> oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. And I saw also um, David Badaya follow him as well. I see that he has the mats too. And he's doing the similar 
kind of like flips onto them in the in his backyard with yeah. his kids and stuff. It's really cute that you guys are doing that. I know it's absolutely not the same as like going off of a diving board into the water, but at least it's something you can do at home. So yeah, that's nice. It definitely helps muscle memory and kind of just stay in that that shape. But it's been kind of fun for me because sometimes my kids, I mean, they're they're a little bit older. I've got two eight-year-olds, a six-year-old and a four-year-old. And so sometimes they just get kind of annoyed with mommy's always at diving or I always have to go training or I'm, and they're just like, just come home. You know, just like if you had a job, like just stop, just come home and play with me. And so I get kind of frustrated sometimes because I'm like, do they not care what I do? Do they not know how much this means to me? And I try to talk to them about it. They don't always get it. But it's been kind of fun for me getting to do it here because I'm I'm doing flips at the house. You know, I'm working out like, you know, once or twice a day in addition to that, you know, whether it's with our team because we're doing like team Zoom workouts and stuff. And then our coaches will talk to us and and they're up there with me sometimes when I'm doing that or they're they're coaching me on my flips. My four-year-old loves to coach me on my flips. And uh, and so that's been like really fun because they, they're just like, good job, mom. Good job. You're doing really well. You're working hard. And it's been kind of cool to see them kind of, I don't know, really appreciate what I'm doing. And I think they're seeing now what it takes to do something that you really want to do and how, because we talk about hard work all the time, but just because mommy goes and does something, they're not seeing it. And so I think it's been kind of cool for them to get to actually see me working really hard and see like what it takes to work towards something. We've actually had some good conversations. So I'm hoping that this somehow will stick in my kids' memories, or at least I'll have videos to show them. Remember when you saw mommy working hard? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) They'll understand. But yeah, so it's been good that way. But well, okay. So I want to go back a little bit because I mean, in 2016, you competed in your fourth Olympic Games. And girl, that's just amazing. I'm trying to go for my fourth. You've already competed in four. You have four Olympic medals. You have two gold medals, two bronze medals. You've carried, you were the flag bearer in 2012. I mean, you've done everything in your sport that you could do. You're world champion. Like you've done it all. You now have a little daughter, you know, and I mean, what made you want to keep going after Rio? What makes you, what drives you and that you want to, you want to keep going now and, and to do this again? Well, a lot of it has to do with everything you just said about setting an example for your kids. You know, like I know that maybe Sunny will be too young. Maybe by next year, she might start to have some memories of, I mean, she knows now that I go to work she, and by work, she knows that I'm like going to work out and fence and all that. Obviously she, I don't think like absolutely really understands that. However, looking back when she gets older and I can have these stories to tell her and lessons to pass on to her about hard work and about time management and goal setting and putting in that hard work, I think is really important example to set for your kids. That's something that I just wanted to do, not only for her to show that, yeah, I'm a working mom and we can make it work and you can still achieve your goals, but to do that for her, but also to do that for other female athletes out there and and actually just females in general, like women who have kids and want to go back to their jobs, you know, it's not always easy. And especially in a job that's so physically demanding, as you know, um, it's really, really not easy. So um, I think that uh, especially in the US, there hasn't been a fencer at my level as far as like Olympia International team member who has had previous success, had a baby and has come back to continue to have that same level of success. And although I don't feel like I'm quite back at the same level I once was. I mean, I'm number nine in the world now. I used to be number one. So I'm like creeping up. I don't, you know, it's like things like that where I compare myself, which to my, to myself, which maybe isn't always the best thing to do. Um, (laughs) but at least for, (laughs) at least for, um, you know, other female fencers in the U S I want to show that, you know, this can be done and I want to set the bar high for them and set the precedent as a positive one to show that it doesn't have to be over just because you want to 
have a kid and that doesn't mean that has to be the end of your fencing career. And in, in other countries, it's a little bit different story. But for the U.S., I just want to set that example for the female athletes to show that we can do it and you can continue if you really want to. And, and I think that that's a really important kind of road path to lay down for future generations. Oh, yeah. Well, was that always your goal was to keep going through 2020? Or did you think about it once you found out you were pregnant with, with um, Sunday? Or like, I guess, how did that play out? Well, I think it was a mix of emotions. I think it was after my result in Rio individually, I was ninth, which was not satisfactory at all whatsoever for me. And then in the team event, we got bronze, which is at least something. I feel like we had a very tough match against Russia that maybe wasn't the most, uh, let's not go there. Anyway, uh, uh, I think that we could have done better than bronze in Rio as a team. Let's just say that. And so it was, although I'm glad that we got some hardware as a team and it was nice to win that medal and stand on the podium. Uh, I was still pretty dissatisfied with the Rio results overall. And so immediately after it didn't even take me much time to contemplate. I knew that I wanted to go to Tokyo. I also knew before Rio even happened that my husband and I wanted to expand our family. And so after being pregnant, having my child, I still always knew like, okay, I'm going to try. But in those early months, especially, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. It was like really, really hard. Um, Just emotionally, not so much physically, honestly, but emotionally, it was Mm -hmm. very difficult. But I'm competitive and I'm, you know, fencing has, is my livelihood and it's my career. And it, you know, something that I wanted to continue to do and hasn't always been easy, but Tokyo has always been the goal. So, you know, I think in those early months, like I said, it, I maybe was like, oh, I can't do this, but then realized, you know, yes, I can just like any other obstacle, any other adjustment that you have to make. It's, it's about finding your way and the best way that's going to work for you. And, yeah. So Tokyo, even since Rio was always on the agenda. That's cool. Yeah. I don't know if you ever felt this because I mean, since you did start competing pretty quick and you were training kind of right after you had her, like maybe you never felt this way. But when I was retired, when I started having my kids and there was definitely a time, especially when I had three under three and it was like crazy <laughs> yeah. house going on and I thought I was losing my mind anyway. Like there's this time and I know a, mo- a lot of moms experience it now as I've talked to a lot of other moms about it, but not a lot of people vocalize it. But there's this time where you kind of feel really lost. Like you do, you feel like you you give up your dreams. You're like, all right, my time is done. Now I'm mom and now it's their turn. And while that's true and you're mom and you're raising them to have their turn, you can still have a life and you can still do big things and you can still have dreams and set goals for yourself and do amazing things. And it's like, that's something I thought I had to lay down and give up or something. And I think a lot of moms feel that way. Like, did you ever experience any of that or was it just kind of different because you knew you were getting right back into it? No, I absolutely experienced that for sure. And as you know, being a professional athlete, especially at such a high level for so many years requires you to be incredibly selfish, you know, selfish with your time, selfish with your thoughts, selfish with your attention. Just everything is just poured into those goals and the, the training and the competitions and everything that revolves around that. Right. And then when you have a kid, whether you have one kid or more, being a parent requires you to be incredibly selfless, right? So for for me, it was a, a big adjustment. Not that I'm a selfish person by nature, but just when it comes to fencing, fencing makes me selfish in a lot of ways. Yeah. I know what it takes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think it was definitely a big adjustment. Like I would do anything for my daughter, anything for her. And so it was definitely a hard adjustment, continues to be a difficult adjustment when it comes to, 
your time and your attention and this and that. But I think, I think eventually took me a while, but eventually I came to the realization it's, it's okay. I can leave her for two days to go to a competition and it's going to be all right. Like we have a support system. She's still very loved. She's, you know, I still love her, you know, all this stuff. Like it, it was definitely had a lot of mom guilt and I continue to have that. Mom guilt is real. It's a mom real guilt thing. is so real. It's so real. And <laughs> as she as she's gotten older, it's gotten a little better, but um, it's never going to go away. And I'm I'm sure you can attest to that. I think it keeps us in check, though. As hard as it is, it kind of helps keep things in check in your mind. I think that's what I'm I'm walking with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, okay. So, what advice would you give other? whether it's Olympians like us or college athletes that are kind of going through this craziness or even just younger athletes that are like ready for their stuff to start and now they're having to wait. Like what what would you say to any athletes maybe listening to this conversation? Like how would you help them get through this difficult season? Yeah, I think one really important thing to keep in mind that we need to exercise in our daily lives whether or not we're going through a global pandemic (laughs) is to continue to focus on what we can control and try to let go of all the things that we can't control, especially right now. That's really important. And I think that that can really help you emotionally, mentally, physically, in all sorts of aspects of your life. And again, especially right now when there's so much uncertainty all around us and a lot of like really weird and unprecedented things are taking place in our li- in our daily lives, I think it's important to keep a positive attitude and just honestly focus on what you can control. You, can you control anything about this virus? No. Can you control whether or not you, you know, leave your house? Yeah. Can you control, you know, what you're going to do today? Probably, you know, there's a lot of things that are, that you just need to focus on and that will give you kind of a more calm sense about things instead of, checking the news obsessively and just like freaking out about all of this stuff. And it is like, you definitely, like, I think on some level, we definitely should be worried and freaking out and taking it seriously. Absolutely. But also realize that a lot of it is out of our control. So just focus on what you can control and then you're going to feel a lot more at peace. I think that's perfect. Such wisdom there. I love it. Marielle, thank you so much for just being real and raw and honest and vulnerable and telling it like it is. Because I think when we when we talk like that and we share our story with others, I think that's really how you can impact people and help change lives. And so we appreciate you. I appreciate you, Laura. It's always really great to talk to you. I feel like we are the same on a lot of levels. It's like really interesting. And so just it's it's always great to just have a super authentic, open conversation with you. So thank you very much for having me. Well, I think um, one day we need to get our kids together for a play date and then you need to teach me how to fence and you need to jump with me off the platform. How's that? Um, uh... <laughs> Come on, you can commit right here on the podcast. <laughs> I'll jump off the edge of a pool. I don't know about climbing up on a platform. All right, that, babies, but... <laughs> we'll start off on okay. the board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. That sounds good. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And please be sure to subscribe, rate and review our show. This allows us to keep bringing on amazing guests, and it also helps other athletes to find this show. Make sure to check out the show notes to follow us on social media and learn more about our awesome guest. To hear all of our amazing episodes, head on over to thepursuitofgold.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Pursuit of Gold is proud to be a Podigy production. That's all for now. Make sure to tune back in next week.